0: secret mountain lair somewhere in Colorado, this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Jason O'Dell and Rick Walker. Hey everyone, I'm Jason O'Dell.
1: And I'm Rick Walker.
0: And this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. Welcome back to our show welcome back Rick how are you doing? doing fine still full from Thanksgiving Turkey. I imagine not too bad it it, it survived. I hope you had a great holiday with your family yeah it was nice same here. It was good to see everybody including uh Jessica who we had on last week as a yeah. bonus so it was, it was nice to get everyone back together um in the same in the same country <laughs> not much mm-hmm. much less the same house um uh that was that was nice so um Enjoying that, and thanks again to Jessica for being on our show last week. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. A um, couple things uh, for our show today got a little feedback, um, uh, did a little more testing, or you did a little more testing on the, the 40 millimeter f2z lens. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that briefly for infrared. Um, and then today, our main topic is going to be the importance or consideration of. Ergonomics and handling when choosing a camera, because I think it's often an, an underestimated uh, or underappreciated thing. Uh, yeah, and this one will be highly subjective. So
1: what we'll be doing is just going through a whole bunch of different things to consider, and then giving our personal opinions on them. So keep in mind,
0: personal opinions. Right. Your your mileage may vary. <laughs> right and I'm sure that for everything that we say, there's somebody else out there with a, uh diametrically opposite opinions. So, no, and exactly.
1: that's fine. We'll try to be clear about these. These are very subjective processes, but by no means do we think our ideas are perfect for everyone.
0: So I had gotten, yeah, uh, perfect, but yeah. yeah. I had gotten an email um, from a, from a, someone who um, reads on my website and found, uh, we had put together a giant table of, uh, infrared lens performance um, using Nikon Z uh, 720 nanometers. It's on my website still. You can find it there. Uh, mostly it was to look at the Z lenses, but we also, you know, as long as we had them, we also looked at F mount lenses, you know, just to to see. And so we've got our our um, ratings there. And I had forgotten that when right before we went to Croatia back in October, you had. Picked up the 40 millimeter f2 uh, Z lens, and so uh, you tested it on your infrared camera um, along yep. with the 24 to 50 zoom, right? Uh, so, tell us what you found with that and what your conclusions were. Yeah, so the 40 millimeter
1: lens looks like a good choice for infrared, um, you don't see really obvious hot spotting in skies, even stopped down to f11. Um, what you can see is a little bit of that diffuse brightening in the center of the image mm-hmm. if you have a subject that's reflecting a lot of infrared light into the to the lens. Um, and that means it's a very good performer because mm-hmm. it's hard to find a lens that won't do a little bit of that diffuse brightening in the center. Right, right. That's so true. It, it's, it's pretty darn good. Um, and and stays sharp to the corners, even with infrared, which sometimes can be a challenging thing. The 2450, not quite as good, not terrible. I'd put it in the same range as the 24-70 to 70 F4, maybe not quite as good, but close. So, you you know, no obvious hot spotting in the skies, but a little bit more of that diffuse brightening in the center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you're shooting monochrome, um, that brightening is a lot easier to handle and Sometimes it even just goes away based on what white balance setting or color filtration thing you use with monochrome. So True, true. Yeah, so 40, very good choice, 24 to 50, not bad but not perfect.
0: Well, and one nice thing about those is that they're small, uh, compact lenses, and so I could certainly see if you're not doing infrared full-time, and you know you want to pack something that you can, but you want to have a lens on that camera. Um, maybe because you're shooting with your other lenses with a visible light camera, the 40 is awfully small to pack, and it's a nice range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both of us have actually now the, the begs the next question, which is that 28 uh, millimeter. Um, is it an F2.8 or is it an F2? I forget what it was. 28 28 Yeah, there's the 28. It, this is the lens that was announced back with the ZFC, um, but it's an FX format frame coverage lens. It's it's out there, but it's not all that easy to, to come by. Uh, it's well, been and there are two versions of
1: it. There's the one that looks like an old AIS lens, and that's the mm-hmm. one that was supposed to come out in full force with the ZFC, and that didn't really happen. Just a small number seem to have been made. Um, and it's still not really out. Um, it's backordered horribly. Um, the, um, the other one is the same lens, same optics, same coating, everything, but in the um, body style of the 40 millimeter lens. So it, it doesn't have that old-time AIS look. It's more like other Z lenses, but very compact.
0: So it's just a cosmetic thing. It's not, and a, that may be out sooner, actually. But you know, okay. we'll see once it actually arrives. But I'm I'm intrigued because the design of those lenses seems to be fairly similar um, in, mm-hmm. in in concept, and and if so, if that 28 performs on infrared, that would be a a nice little choice. Plus, it's not very expensive. I mean, it's, it's right. It's priced reasonably, and uh, it's very compact. And 28 you could use that as a walk around lens. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, we'll have to, you know, we'll keep yeah. our eyes out for those when, when those show up and hopefully we'll get our hands on one in the next few months and we can add that to the database. In the meantime, yeah. I'll be updating the, the table on the website with some more lens entries and that's over over on my site. So you can check that out if that's something that you're interested in. Now let's move on to what we really came here to talk about today, which is which is controls, layouts, ergonomics, handling, these are things that are often overlooked when when someone is buying a camera. It can be really easy to overlook today uh, when we're purchasing things more online without actually handling the camera first. Um, so it's something to really consider.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And with a lot of the supply chain problems that have been wreaking havoc for a while now, if there's something new there, there's, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to be able to handle it in person unless you're willing to wait quite a while mm-hmm. to get one. Right. You know, Cause you may wait a while to find a demo unit. And then by waiting a while for that demo unit unit, you're going to wait a long time to actually get an order, um, True. fulfilled.
0: True. Well, these are the challenges we have in these, you know, Unprecedented times, as I Fun say. Fun times. Anyhow, but it, it is an important thing. And, you know, you and I both started out, obviously, on various film cameras. And and uh, we were kind of reminiscing about some of our earliest experiences with ergonomics. And it wasn't really that, that hard. And most cameras were all about the same. There really weren't a tremendous number of differences. I mean, you had a dial on the top that set the shutter speed. You had a dial on the top that set the ISO or ASA, which you set it and forget it and generally your lens had an aperture ring so you controlled those things
1: of, of course two out of the three that you just said were not true with my first Nikon because <laughs> the shutter speed ring was around the lens mount and the ISO thing was a little scale that you had to look on the oh. underside of the the camera yeah. so that was that or was that something different it was a nikormat ft2 oh, okay Yeah, Yeah, totally different. A little bit weird, but very straightforward. And the thing about all those cameras, including the one that you had, which was the EL2, is, and it's true for Minolta's and Canon's and and Texas and everything in that era, you could look at the camera and tell almost instantly every single feature it had. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the controls were right there, and they were were well-marked. And they didn't do a lot of fancy things, but they were very, very simple and direct and and that is still something i appreciate there are different ways it can be implemented radically different but i i like that
0: yeah and for the most part if you were a photographer in like the late 70s through the 90s you could pretty much pick up any camera um, at least in the pre autofocus days mm-hmm. um, and and you know shoot with it with minimal Learning curve. It was pretty right. much once you knew where the film advance was and the shot, you, know, you could just go from there. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was interesting, and it was a nice way of shooting. One of the things I really like about you know aperture rings, and they'll just you know devolve into something else, is that it forced you to place your left hand under the lens or on the lens barrel where it's supposed to be from you know for the most part for a good shooting uh, balance. Right hand, you know, cradling the camera, gripping the camera, left hand generally underneath it. And you had your fingers on the yeah, weight of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that was the whole idea. Yeah. Your left hand is where all the support is. And, um, you know, as we moved up through things, there was a lot of different ways to use cameras and, you know, throw in LCD panels and menus and other things. Um, and, and you can be tempted to use your camera in a very, um, awkward, uh, Fashion if you didn't learn how to handle, it. but that's a different story, yeah, but
1: so we'll do this in kind of a rapid fire okay. way. Um, this will be almost like throwing out a statement and doing the psychological test of okay, you know what's the first thing in your mind? <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite. So size and weight, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Um, didn't used to worry about it so much. Uh, definitely, it comes into a consideration now. Um, I'm also older, but I, I like, I like a camera that's big enough to hand hold and feel good in my hand, um, and not have everything be tiny on it. Um, and a little bit of heft, cause I don't like super light things that I can jiggle around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want a I don't want a brick either. I mean, I don't think I would go back to shooting, you know, my old D3 <laughs> anytime soon.
1: Yeah. So my thoughts on that are pretty much identical. Pretty much identical. I'll, I'll take something a little bit smaller and lighter, but I don't mind a certain amount of density. You know, where it feels mm-hmm. like a quality item and not a featherweight thing.
0: It makes holding certain lenses easier too. You just yeah. have the right weight balance. So I, yeah. you know, don't want a brick, but but at the same time, you don't you just don't want something that feels like it's made out of plastic and cheap. Exactly.
1: So an interesting one, and you were kind of hinting at this one: aperture and shutter speed controls.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um there are cameras like um the Nikon Z six and seven series um Canon RF cameras um Sony's will fall in this category where you're you're talking about front and rear dials of differing types that can be customizable, and that's where you do all of your aperture and shutter Mm -hmm. speed operations. Then there are cameras like some of the Fujis, where they have a configuration more like your old Nikon Mm -hmm. EL2, you know, it's shutter speed dial on the top aperture ring on the lens. And then if you want to get to third of a stop increments on the shutter speed, you end up not being able to use the shutter speed dial, but then you have to use a secondary dial of some sort to, Fine tune it and the Nikon ZFC is the same way mm-hmm. for me. With certain shooting situations, that Fuji arrangement can make a lot of sense if I'm doing round the town kind of shooting, uh, a lot of travel stuff, portrait work. I like it, it's fine. The it's really fast to go between wildly different apertures, you know, wide open to stop down to F11. It's super quick. Just yank the ring and you're there. It's not click, 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 click. You know, which is kind of Or You left out a click. I'm certain I lost count there. So, you know, my own, if I were, the my favorite configuration for most shooting, is the one that I have on my Fuji GFX 100S, where it's got an aperture ring on the lens, has the benefits I mentioned, but it doesn't have the shutter speed dial on the top. Instead, it has the Mm -hmm. um, dial on the back that you turn in one-third stop increments. That just works perfectly for me. I can use it quickly. Plus, I can also fine-tune easily when I'm trying to be more careful, maybe doing landscape stuff. And I don't have that alternate control thing that really is making the setting as opposed to the thing on top that says it's set to one thing but isn't
0: if that makes any sense well i'm going to simplify this for you the Mm -hmm. aperture ring is a nice feature it just rarely gets implemented in a way on the cameras that i own that is easy to use i mean i shot for years with the camera with an aperture ring. That's just mm-hmm. how, how I did it. So I'm very comfortable using an aperture ring. It's not a problem. I also agree with you. I like the rear command dial or a command dial for shutter speed, because having to put my, you know, having a, a dial on the top that is set to fix shutter speed increments doesn't give you the granularity that you would often like. I just want to underexpose. I want F8, but I want to underexpose by a third of a stop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I, what I don't like, though, <laughs> and maybe this will make it easier, sure. I'll give you the scenario of something that I absolutely cringe at, which are cameras, and I don't remember, and this this, this cuts across brands, but cameras where you use a different or, or, or the same control depending on what mode you're in. So if I'm in aperture priority, my dial controls aperture or not, you know, and, and I've been flummoxed by this where it's like you have only one dial and you have to figure out is that controlling aperture or shutter speed which one is it doing um right. you can obviously learn this but i've seen it on cannons i've seen it on some some um certain nikons uh, you know you see it on point and shoots a lot um but it, it's a terrible way of shooting because it it's just like i don't like uh Here's what I don't like, I guess is what I'm saying is I don't like a dial that is configured to one thing depending on the mode I'm shooting in. You in other like words, modal cameras. Yeah, I I like my rear dial to be my shutter speed and my front dial to be my aperture, you know, understanding that if I'm in shutter priority, you know, my aperture ring isn't going to do anything, you know, mm-hmm. or, or or maybe it will, you know, but but I just don't like that that situation where I have to use the same, con- it just messes up my brain. That's me. I'm wired that way, I don't like it. So so anytime I have a distinction between my aperture control is always going to be this dial and my shutter control is always going to be that dial, I can work with it.
1: Here's the good news. With Nikon's, Canning's, Olympus, and probably broader Pentax, you can set those dials any way you want. Mm -hmm. And I always have the aperture ring. I mean, the aperture control up front, shutter speed control in the back. And the the other variant on it is exposure compensation in the back and not requiring the push of another button. And you can do that with all of those cameras. You do it different ways, but you can do it. That's
0: the good news. Yeah. You just have to, know the configuration and be able to customize it.
1: Which yeah, because it does well, get confusing otherwise. I, I don't like what you were
0: describing either. Especially if you're going between different systems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very hard to to pick up a different, and this most often occurs on lower end cameras where they maybe don't have as many buttons and configurations or customizable yeah. features. So, you know, those are things. Now, um, moving forward. Sony's
1: by the way, with some of their lenses, only a subset, primarily G Master lenses, do have aperture rings, and those work extremely well. Mm-hmm. And you can do that same kind of thing I was describing with the mm-hmm. GFX 100S on those. So, mm-hmm. and, and that subset
0: of lenses works quite well. And and before we beat aperture rings to death, I'll just mm-hmm. say I'm a fan of click stops. Yes. <laughs> Because you can configure the multifunction ring on most Z lenses to control aperture. I hate it. It's just too sensitive. I yeah, mean, I can't. You don't know where to stop. You you have to really it's pay attention. Profit. Yeah. It it just I like having the little click stop so that you can get the feedback. You know, the tactile feedback, the haptic, if you will, that that says I just went. A stop, you know, <laughs> just yeah. like to, rather than having to 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 wing it. It's just too sensitive, in my opinion. But whatever. Um, Still so important control. Moving yeah. on is being able to select which focus
1: area you want and move mm-hmm. it around. And there are multiple ways of doing this: a D-pad on the back of the camera, front and rear dials, coupled with pushing a button, a joystick, or the touch screen. I think mm-hmm. those are the mean ones yeah. I can think of.
0: Well, and, in my here.
1: case, I can go ahead tell your bias first.
0: Well, my bias is just towards anything that rem- remotely resembles a video game controller. So where you know where I can either the D pad or the little mini joystick kind of function where I can go up, down, left, right, maybe even diagonally, um, and I don't have to cycle through points. Mm-hmm. You know, there are cameras where you have to cycle through the points some people can do this really quickly. I just like being, able, I'm a visual kind of person. Um, so to that end, that's how I like to shoot. It's easy for me looking through the viewfinder to just use one of those pads or joysticks. Yeah. If I'm shooting, you
1: know, with the electronic viewfinder, my preference is the joystick. That, that for me is by far the quickest and easiest. I can make do with the others, but I'm making do. Um, using the touchscreen combined with the EVF, to me, never works really great. I always end up um, using something else instead because I just can't control it well enough. Or I inadvertently move the focus point around when I'm not shooting and screw things up. I've done so that. Strong vote for the joystick. From I,
0: I would say, on the on the downside of the joystick is rapidly selecting a you know you can't just rapidly scroll. So if you had something connected to the scroll wheel where you could just you know spin that sucker and quickly you, you know grab to a different point, mm-hmm. I can understand that argument. I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm I'm just saying like I just like the the way I shoot. Uh, of course. You know, some of these things are becoming less and less important as we more, lear, move to more smart auto tr- tracking functions. But yeah. you know, that's just kind of cool. One,
1: one thing I will mention is because I said I didn't like the touch screen when using it with the EVF. If I'm using the big LCD monitor on the back, I love the touch screen autofocus, where I can just oh, yeah. touch on a point and not only have it jump to that part of the screen, but also focus, that is wonderful. I love that for landscape
0: photography. Just tap around the screen and move your focus. It's super easy, agreed. Um, Okay, let's just um, jump through these. Now, what about, you know, we're talking about buttons, we're talking about customizable things. Um, You know, go back to those film cameras, they were basically, you know, the only button that I had besides like the shutter release and uh, depth of field preview button, uh, that was about it. There weren't there, there. There just weren't many things, and that went all the way through to even shooting with my F5 back in the film days. There were, there were more buttons, but there were very few customizable buttons and and function buttons. And that's something we have not just with digital cameras in general, but mirrorless cameras in particular.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a balance here. You know the having 6 buttons that just say C1 on them and spread all over the camera man that that's hard to remember what each one of them is doing especially if mm-hmm. if you don't use a certain camera for a couple months and coming back to it it can be a complete mystery so there there can be virtue in those somewhat permanent buttons you know where it says one thing and that's what it does i i guess the thing i would say is Within reason, more buttons are better, and customi- customization options are, are always good, whether or not you need them. I've seen a trend lately with cameras to cut back in the number of buttons, and I think that is a mistake.
0: I think there's a some
1: number. that have just gone way too far.
0: Right. Well, because your alternative is, for, is to have to go into the menu system. Right. And for certain functions, that's just the worst thing. And I'll tell you the things that are important to me, and you, you might want to mm-hmm. chime in with your thoughts, but I want to be able to change autofocus modes without having to dive into a menu. I yeah. want to be able to choose metering patterns, potentially, not as much anymore, but metering patterns often without having to dive into a menu. And I can live with a menu on that one. I, I can live with it, but, but there are, t- yeah, especially with, I, I guess with with um, uh, um, live histograms, it's less of a problem than yeah. it used to be. It used to be a bigger thing with DSLRs. Yes. Um, you know, there's certain features, um, you know, I want exposure compensation to be something that I can control very quickly if I need yep. to. Um, th- those things are, are good for dedicated features, just like the AF, the D-pad and other things. Um, other buttons are just nice to have if you can customize them to some feature that you personally like. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk about that in the on a future episode probably. We'll talk about our favorite customizations, but you know, cause there are a lot of good ones but it, it can be very frustrating when, if you want to change between like continuous drive autofocus and single servo autofocus to have to go into your menu system. Yep. You know, those are kind of you know the kinds of stuff you want to change on the fly. ISO is a good one for a dedicated if you're going to use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least for me. Um, you know, there's other to... buttons I could care less about, but I mean, I think it's good. I, I I also this this is where we get into the overlay of the first question you asked me about size and weight. When the cameras are tiny, lots and lots of buttons crammed in there, it can be almost impossible to figure out which one you're you're pressing. Right. So there there are some limitations there. Yep. All right, hopefully a short one.
1: How about the presence or absence of an LCD on top of the camera? I
0: like it. I like it. I mean, easy. It's just easy one. It's just good, uh, you know, not mandatory, but give me the choice. I'll take the LCD on top. Thank you very much. Yep. Yep. A
1: thing I like that we've both experimented um, with recently is simplifying the number of autofocus options and display options that you have in the viewfinder Mm -hmm. so you don't have six or 12 different things to scroll through you might have Mm -hmm. just three you know whether the autofocus patterns or how the display is laid out that can be a nice thing where you just say i'm never going to use that one i don't want to ever have it even come up
0: right and that allows you to scroll through things more quickly so that's a customizable feature that we'll talk about, too, probably mm-hmm. even more later. Exactly. Um, and then
1: there are the quick menu,
0: mm-hmm.
1: things, sometimes called function menus. Every brand calls them something different. And then there's, you know, and that that's where you hit a button and a panel pops up on your LCD or in your EVF and allows you to pick, you know, like white balance or... You know, some of the things that you were just mentioning can show up on those, but it's pretty mm-hmm. rapid. I
0: like, I like that. I like yeah. that because these take some, you know, these are functions that are used frequently, but don't need their own dedicated button for. Mm-hmm. But they make them accessible because your only other alternative would be having to remember, was that custom menu A3? I don't know.
1: You know, or shoot a, a, you know. And I'll just say those things can be really wonderful if you've also got a touch screen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And That's true. The thing that really irritates the hell out of me are cameras where they only have partial touch screen operation. You can move the focus point around, maybe get it to focus, but none of the menu functions work with touch screens. Why do companies do that? I don't know. Well, I so mean I, if speaking I, of, I think if it has a touch screen, it ought to work for all of those things.
0: And I know this wasn't really on your list, but we might as well throw it out there. A good touch screen is these days a must-have. I don't think I would I want to go back do. to a camera that didn't have a touch screen as yeah. you and, and implement it in the way you mentioned. Right. And what about those custom functions? Like user menus, the you you know, where you can set up a bank of of you know, everything is preconfigured hmm. I'm
1: on the fence. I can understand why people like them. I can understand why they could help me under certain circumstances. I almost never use them. Mm-hmm. Um, if I do use them, again, I'll just mention that Fuji GFX 100s. I really like how they implemented them. It's it's kind of a combination. If if people are familiar with the two methods that Nikon has used, you know, the U1, U2, U3, et cetera, settings, as well as the the shooting banks, custom function banks, that you would access on the LCD monitor in the back. It's kind of a combination of those two things. And there are some auto-updating things that you could do with the old nikon banks but not the u1 u2 thing Mm -hmm. and this is kind of the best of both worlds so i like that but i'll I'll be honest i don't use them a lot so i guess i could frequently do without them
0: i mean they have every now and then it'll be handy but um the implementation with nikon is not quite the way i would like it you know, I'd like to set up a default for my camera and then be able to tinker from there. If you use the banks, mm-hmm. if you change a setting, it sticks. If I use the U1, if I change a setting, it doesn't stick. So so yeah. I, I don't, you know, it's, it, it's, it's hard. But um, let's just whip through the last few things on our list here because we're running yeah. out of time. Um, what about things like vertical grips, integrated or otherwise? I like having the option of vert- vertical
1: grip but I don't want to have it on the camera all the time because
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I want something, something a little bit smaller and lighter. Yeah. And that, that, that shows just the how we've changed over time. I mean, I used to always get mm-hmm. the cameras with the vertical grip. I, I'll just say this. I like shooting with the vertical grip when I'm using larger lenses or, you know, going to do a lot of portrait orientation work but the vertical grip has to have the right controls because it can screw up your ergonomics if all of a sudden you have to find yourself shooting in a different way because you can't reach the buttons otherwise yes yeah. so I, i'll just throw that out there um what about um things like uh the the way um what about evfs i mean you mentioned those right yeah these can be I mean, very different between cameras
1: yeah and certainly in terms of specs, they can appear more different than they really are. My preference is for a larger magnification. If I can have it, it, it and a bigger image is just nice. But I can survive with smaller ones. What I've learned is I quickly adapt. And then I don't even notice it unless I'm switching between cameras. You know, regarding the resolution, I don't think it's as big a deal, Um Frankly, with a lot of the cameras that have the higher resolution EVS, where you're talking five something or greater than that, those resolutions only work in playback mode. They don't work, you know, when you're actually shooting and they may not actually look as good as some of them with lower specs. It's a strange thing, but, you know, a nice display is always good. So I'll, I'll go for a bigger one if I can.
0: But refresh rates kind of important. Depending on what it, you're doing, it can it, be It's less important. of an issue these days, but I mean, I had some older mirrorless cameras where, oh my gosh, it was like, <laughs> you know, watching a flickering TV screen.
1: Yeah, and it can be hard to follow action unless the refresh rate is fast mm-hmm. enough. And sometimes you can, there's an option to jack it up at the expense of some resolution. And so that's a good
0: option to have. Okay. Um, last few things on our list. Um, articulated versus fixed LCDs versus, you know, the different ways they, they implement them. That's something to consider these days because almost everybody now has some form of tilt LCD or, you know, articulated in some, and I don't think I would want a camera that didn't have that. No,
1: I want some form of it. Um, you know, I, here, here's what I would say my favorite same camera it's interesting that that one fuji you know it'll it's got the monitor that will tilt up or tilt out you know it goes both directions Mm -hmm. but it doesn't swing to the side like some of them do Mm -hmm. and that can be nice for video it it can be nice for selfies if i ever took a selfie which i never Mm -hmm. have in my life i might care about that but i don't so bloggers. the one I like is the one that you find on that Fuji along with a few other Fuji's and the new Nikon Z9. You know, that to me is a brilliant implementation. It's fast to to use. It'll handle both portrait and horizontal orientations. Perfect. That's yeah,
0: the one that's, I like. And if there was one if thing I, I could get add, it. that would be to my Z seven, that would be it. Because yeah. Once you're on a tripod in portrait orientation, the tilt becomes almost impossible to use. It's not designed yeah. for that. So, yeah. you know, it, it's important. It's not a deal breaker, but if I had a choice between two cameras and they were otherwise the same, I'd pick the one with the articulating uh, system you mentioned.
1: I think that does it for all the major things I can think yeah. of. What about for you? Any other things?
0: You know, I mean, there there is just that there is you know there's something about ergonomics there's something about ease of use and you referred to it um in an earlier episode i don't remember when months ago i guess but it was just that pleasure to use sort of phenomenon where um where when you pick up the camera everything just even if you've had to learn it you know like i'm biased right i'm 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 totally mm-hmm. biased to using nikon cameras but i i can tell you that when i pick up a new nikon camera Everything is where I expect it to be. You know, they don't radically change configurations between models. The only time I've run into any problems is when I pick up like a really like a 3000 series Nikon DSLR, which has a radically different control layout than almost every other one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's partly because I'm just used to the layout. But I mean, you could say the same thing if you're if you're a Canon shooter or or whatever. You know, you get used to that control layout. Um, I, I I really wouldn't want to dealing with cameras within a brand. If I'm buying into a system where every camera has a different ergonomic layout or a different button layout and right. that can happen. I mean, that's something that that happens. It's not 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 always there. but just you know there's more I guess I guess the upshot of this whole chat we're having is that there is a lot more to be said about how you use the camera and how the features are accessed and employed during the shooting experience than just what goes on paper on the specs of how many megapixels the camera is. Right. Uh, one thing I will anything? say
1: is a, a last thing for me, it, it's something that I think too much is made of, are the camera menus. And as long as you have something like a My Menu option where you can put your own high priority menu items in one place, I have yet to find any camera that I couldn't work with. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when you see or read camera review reviews and someone is going droning on endlessly about how they don't like the menu arrangement, they're speaking as a camera reviewer as opposed to someone going out and taking photographs because it is confusing if you're reviewing a lot of cameras to have wildly different menus. Mm-hmm. But if you're going out and buying a camera and then using it for several years, you're going to learn how to me- use the menus and where things are. And it doesn't take very long, just period. So I, I think right. that's one that's horribly overblown, in well,
0: my opinion. If you can put your frequently used items into an easy to find spot. I, that's I why I say prefaced
1: it with the My I, Menu comment.
0: I don't, you know, I mean, the shooting menu on a Nikon camera is now three or four pages long to scroll through. Mm-hmm. Absolute pain. But if I can put, you know, multiple exposure into my little my menu item, then I can pull it up quickly. I I, especially for things that you don't use every day that you would forget. Yeah, and just about everything has that now. Yeah, so that's a good feature. Yeah, Um, but yeah. um, Anyway, uh, good things to think about um, because I know this is the time of year that oftentimes people start looking at new cameras and wanting to to buy them. But consider these things. Um, Go go deeper into the the the, then just the specs go a little bit deeper to see and and again if if you can handle one, it's always nicer, but I know how hard hard that has become lately so uh, until next time, we'll see you uh happy shooting all right, bye bye.